Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two of the All About Everest podcast. And I'm your host, Pauline Reynolds Nuttall. On this podcast, you can get anything and everything about Mount Everest, including interviews, book recommendations, tips, updates, and a whole lot more. So welcome to the spring 2023 Everest climbing season. And here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast. Today's topic is going to be the spring 2023 Everest climbing season. We're going to go over the statistics, the deaths, which those have increased since last week's episode, some of the highlights, and some of the people who really have shown this season. We're talking those record breakers. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for two things. Number one, I am super sick. I have bronchitis. So I sound like I've been living off of the cheapest vodka sold and two cartons of Pall Mall a day. So I'm going to apologize for that ahead of time. And the other thing is I'm hoping that this episode will post correctly. Spotify has changed their dashboard for podcasters and I'm trying to make sure I I get it all correct and it does what it's supposed to do. So first things first, I wanted to share a message with you guys that I had gotten a couple days ago from a listener and it read, absolutely love your podcast. Listen to it while on my way up Everest on rotations this year. My word, what a season it has been. That message swarmed up my little heart. It was so awesome that someone while doing their Everest rotations and acclimatization was listening to my podcast. And I'm going to have this young lady on the podcast either next episode or the one after that. I was planning next week to do a review of the docuseries Finding Michael, including my opinions and some of my thoughts. But if I'm able to do this interview, which we have it tentatively scheduled for Monday, then it will probably be the interview instead. I'll give you two hints. She currently lives in Perth, Australia, and she has two records under her belt for Everest. So I'm not sure yet what next episode's going to be, either the review of Finding Michael or it's going to be the interview with this young lady. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have a killer deal for you. As you guys know, I'm super outdoorsy and I camp over 45 nights a year, which isn't a lot, but it is because I have a family. And one of the ways that I find affordable gear and also discover new things as well is by subscribing to the Nomadic subscription box. It's a subscription box that comes once a month or quarterly, and it has outdoor gear in it. I have discovered some of the most amazing brands that I absolutely love and and things that I wouldn't even have tried. I've tried because of my subscription. It starts at $29 a month and 
you don't have to get the subscription box. If there's something that you love, you can buy it right off of their website. The code to use to get 10% off is Everest and their website is thenomadic.com. That's the nomadic with a K.com. And I'll have a link in this description of this podcast episode. One more thing before I get to the rest of the episode. Thank you everyone for your inquiries and checking to see if my grandbaby has arrived yet. No, he has not. Any day now, he's due June 4th. Um, I'm hoping that he waits a little bit longer because I am so sick and I want to be able to hold him. So again, thank you for all of the messages and well wishes. All right, so the 2023 spring season on Mount Everest, it... It has been a very different season. And what I mean by that, well, there hasn't been another season like it. That's for sure. There has been a record number of permits, a record number of summits, and a record number of deaths. And we're going to get into it right now. I know that last year I covered the spring season week by week. But this year, I'm only doing a recap. And so I figured the best way to do that is just kind of to break it down from the beginning of the season, what occurred, and just some highlights towards the end. Last episode, we talked about death and dying on Everest. And I had done an episode last year, but my opinions and my thoughts have changed a little bit. Because for me, it's now personal. And after we, you know, cover the rest of this season and we talk a little bit more about the deaths because the death toll has risen since last week when last week's episode aired, I think you'll understand a little bit more why my opinion has changed. All right. I have my hot toddy in hand spiked with lots and lots of whiskey because I seriously can't breathe. So we're going to start this episode with numbers, some statistics, and some fun facts. This year was the 70th year since Everest was first summited by Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay on May 29th, 1953. That is seven decades And as I had mentioned last episode, people have been trying to summit Mount Everest for over 100 years with the first attempts made in 1922. Also, on May 29th every year, they hold the annual Everest Marathon. It's always held on May 29th, and this year was the 19th year that they've done that. A lot of athletes join this marathon, including those that have summited Mount Everest. This year, there were several records, one of them being that 478 permits were issued for Mount Everest. And those are for people who intend to climb, that are paying for the permit to climb. That does not include those um, from the Sherpa community, the support teams, 
it doesn't include them in those permit numbers. We don't have the actual numbers just yet of how many people summited Mount Everest. Of those 478 permits, it looks like around 250 people summited. We will not have those numbers yet for a little bit longer. And the best place to get the most accurate numbers is the Himalayan database, which was first started by Elizabeth Hawley. And it is the most accurate and official record of what goes on in during the Himalayan mountaineering season each year. So as soon as those numbers are official, I will let you guys know. Um, about 600 people summited, give or take. About 250 of them were paid members and 350 of them were from the Sherpa community. From the Chinese side of Mount Everest, there were only 16 summits. Because China did not allow anyone, any mountaineers or tourists to summit from the Tibetan side, the 16 summits were actually for those from the maintenance crew of the Chinese weather station. So hopefully next year, and it sounds like they will be opening the Tibetan side. And there are a couple of expedition companies that only go from the north side because they believe it's safer, partly because less crowding and the, the north side does not have the Kumbu ice fell. Every season from the Nepali side, it always starts with the icefall doctors heading out towards EBC. If you didn't know, the icefall doctors are part of the SPCC, the Sagarmatha Pollution Control Committee organization, and they are in charge of the icefall doctors, the rope fixing team. And also, they are in charge of eliminating waste, bringing it back, and trying to implement programs that will reduce trash on the mountain. So this year, the Icefall Doctors headed out on February 25th. It takes about 10 to 14 days to reach EBC. And on... March 21st is when they started to fix the route through the Kumbu Ice Fell. For those of you who don't know, the ice fall is always moving. So not only do they establish the route for the current climbing season, they also maintain it. And this year, it took them a little bit longer because as soon as they would fix it, it would move. And they had to continue to do repairs throughout the season. Um, they use ropes and aluminum ladders to secure the path through the Kumbu Icefall. And their job is one of the, if not the, deadliest job in the world. And same with those, the rope fixing team. Their job is just as dangerous because they're going all the way to the top of Mount Everest. 
They're the ones that secure the ropes, make sure that it's safe, clear the way for everyone else. And they have the same exact dangers of avalanches, falls, altitude sickness. And they go out of their way to make it safer for anyone who chooses to climb a Mount Everest. So the route was officially open on April 6th. And people started doing their rotations through the Kumbu Icefall. Most of the teams who do the established regimen of acclimatization, they go through the Kumbu Icefall several times. And each time they will go a little bit higher and then come back down. It can be extremely dangerous to quickly jump elevation. I know that for me, even at 10,000 feet, if I do it really fast, I have to catch my breath. You know, it gives me a headache and I don't live at sea level. I live at about 4,500 feet. And so I have to do it slowly, even though that's something I can usually do in a day. By the time I get to the top, I just drink some water and relax and usually don't have any problems. The first deaths on Everest this year occurred on April 12th. Tenjing Sherpa, Lakpa Sherpa, and Badur Sherpa, while they were going through the Kumbu Icefall, a section from the icefall collapsed onto them. It's also known as a Sirak, which is a huge block of ice. And every year there are a few that fall and collapse. And there aren't always fatalities. But this year, three people died. And if any of you remember very infamously infamously at the time, uh, Russell Bryce in 2013 from Hymex, he canceled his entire expedition. It was very controversial because he was very fearful that a Ciroc would fall on someone. There was a very large one that looked very precarious and he got so much backlash because of it. That year, the Serac didn't fall. However, in 2014, the Serac did release in the Kumbu Icefall. And it killed 16 Sherpas. That was the year that the Everest season was halted. Because of those deaths in the Kumbu Icefall from the Sherpa community. On May 1st was the fourth death on Mount Everest for this climbing season. It was that of American Jonathan Sugarman, a physician from Seattle, age 69, and he died at Camp 2. They finished fixing the ropes to the summit on May 12th. It took them a little longer than normal. And there were a couple reasons behind that. First of all, 
it took them longer to set up the route through the Kumbu Ice Fall. And then the weather was kind of unpredictable. Lots of high winds, lots of snow. And because of the high amount of permits and because of the crappy weather, there was concern that everyone was going to try for the summit at the same time, like in 2019. If any of you remember the viral video that NIMS Day posted on social media that exploded all over the world and you saw it everywhere. And that was a huge concern. It was a concern last year as well. And also in 2021, because no one had um, climbed in 2020 because of the pandemic. And this year, because the ropes took so long to fix and because the weather was ab not abnormally crappy, but extremely crappy, unlike last year, which had a huge weather window. And people were like, wait, what is going on? Because it's unusually warm. It's unusually dry. There's no storms. What's going on, right? And then this year, it's like, ah, everything's crazy. The weather's insane. So I think it's you know, every year the weather will always be different. However, the weather does play a huge part of when people try to summit Mount Everest or not. And as soon as those ropes were fixed, those first teams were headed out for their summit push. That first wave, there were multiple teams and about 400 people total, including support staff that were heading towards their summit push. There were several teams that did hang back. They were going to wait for a later date. The first summit by a member or paid climber in 2022 was on May 9th. And this year, I believe it was on May 14th. Last week, I talked about death and dying on Mount Everest. And I had mentioned that 2023 is likely going to be the most fatal year on the mountain. Last episode, I had reported that there were four people missing and 12 deaths. Right now, there are 13 that have been officially named as deceased. And there are still four climbers missing presumed dead, but it's not yet official. So we're looking at a possibility of 17 total deaths. Two things that I forgot to mention last week that I'm going to mention today. The Himalayan Times, whenever they announce a death on Mount Everest or in the other mountains, they always say, so-and-so breathed their last. And I love it. It's just such a graceful and beautiful way to describe death because, as we know, the deaths on Mount Everest are often very ugly and they're very hard to accept. The second thing I wanted to mention is that there are two 
Everest memorials. The first one is two silver pyramids that are found in Ferrache. And then, of course, there are um, the memorials at Everest Base Camp. Those were two things that I wanted to mention last week, and I totally forgot about it. Once it's final next week, I will read out the complete list of fatalities for this year. Here's the thing, is that 2015 had the most Everest fatalities. However, it did not have the most fatalities on the mountain. Because those deaths, and depending on which numbers you look at, it was between 18 to 21 that died at EBC because of the avalanche. They weren't on the mountain. So this year it's looking like it will be the deadliest season on Mount Everest. The actual mountain and not just... Mount Everest, even though EBC depends on who you talk to, which numbers you look at. Some people count deaths at EBC, some do not. Um, but this year is definitely the most deadly one that they've ever had. Let's talk about records. Some of them are still coming in um, because not everyone is as open and loud about their records as some people. So let's talk about Hari, uh, Hari Buddha Magar. We had him on as a guest. He is the first double amputee above the knee to summit Mount Everest. And I believe it was on May 19th without looking at my notes. Congratulations. He is an amazing, sweet human being. If you haven't listened to his interview with me, please go back and listen. Uh, his story is absolutely amazing. And he did it. Fantastic. Cami Rita Sherpa. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about his record. So last year at 26 summits, he held the record, right? Well, this year. For a minute there, someone passed him on his record. So this year he completed um, his 27th summit attempt. And then, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm laughing so hard. It was so funny. But... Um, <laughs> so he summited Mount Everest for the 27th time, beating his own record. And then another Sherpa guide, Pasang Dawa, matched his record for 27 times. So, of course, Kami Rita Sherpa, he had to keep his record. And he has now summited Mount Everest for a total of 28 times. Sorry there, I lost my breath for a second. So Cami Rita not only passed his own record once this season, but he did it twice because last year it was his 26th summit 
And this year he did his 27th and 28th all in one week. There were a lot of other records that were broken. The first person to such and such, the youngest person to such and such. And I'll get into more details next week because that list is not finalized. Um, one of those people will be on the podcast either next episode or the one after that. I really think I'm just going to have her interview next episode because once I interview somebody, like it's really hard to hold on to it because I'm so dang excited to have them on. But she holds two records currently. So that's exciting. And then another record that is near and dear to my heart is the youngest Israeli to reach the summit of Mount Everest did it this year in 2023, um, Aviad Sido at 26. And there's not that many Israelis that have summited Mount Everest. I told my daughter that she could be the youngest and she could be the youngest female if she wanted to. She's got lots of time um, because there's only ever been eight people from Israel that have summited and only one female. So she could absolutely do it. This year, Aviad Sido was the only one to summit Mount Everest. Last year, there were two, uh, Barak Matalon and Roi Nagari. I've reached out to a couple of them and hopefully they'll reach back out to me because I would love to interview them. I'm just going to round off this episode with discussing some of the problems that were on Mount Everest this year. The first one being that 2023 is going to be the most fatal year on Mount Everest. And depending on who you listen to, all of the opinions seem to be extremely different. Uh, whether it's Alan Arnett, Explorers Web, the Himalayan Times, any of the expedition companies, it seems that no one can really agree on what caused all of these deaths. First of all, three of them died in the Kumbu Icefall because of a Ciroc. Um, There were a couple falls, and a lot of it was health issues. Um... I'm hearing that, oh, it's because of climate change that everybody's dying. It's creating instability. Yes, that could have caused the Ciroc to fall, um, but that's always been a risk. Avalanches. Again, that is a normal risk on the mountain. And the other thing, too, is that the weather was up and down. Again, that is a normal occurrence on the mountain. So it could be or could not be due to climate change. The second suggestion is inexperience um, that a lot of people that are hitting Mount Everest every year, more this year than ever before with the record permit numbers, 
There, They are people who are inexperienced at climbing in general and also on 8,000 meter peaks. Um, they have not acclimatized properly. There are these speed acclimatization programs where instead of it taking you six weeks to climb Mount Everest, and we did talk to Adriana Brownlee about this a little bit when we did the interview with her. Um, she did this speed acclimatization. She didn't do any of those rotations or anything like that. She did it in three weeks. She did most of her acclimatization at home. And some people are suggesting that that could be one of the reason why there were so many fatalities this year. Because if you can cut that six weeks into three by doing shortcuts, maybe it's increasing your chances of dying. That's just another theory. Again, there are so many different opinions. Uh, one of the other opinions out there is that people are just being left behind. They give up, they're exhausted, and the support team just disappears. Again, it's just an opinion. We all know that when it comes to death and Mount Everest, there's always going to be a controversy. There's always going to be different opinions. If you look at the 1996 Everest disaster, there's 15 books with 15 different opinions. So pick one. This year, there also seemed to be a lot more illness on Mount Everest. Uh, altitude sickness, rescues, it seemed to be more common this year, from what I understand from people that I know at EBC and who climbed Everest this year, that there were a lot more rescue attempts than ever before, and people were sick left and right. Again, was there some type of virus that went through, because this is you know, a thousand people who are pushed into a teeny tiny space. So I don't know if it was some type of illness. Um, I don't know if it was because people are not acclimatiz acclimatizing. I'm going to say that word uh, correctly each and every time, I swear. Just kidding. Most of the time. Um, if people are not acclimatizing properly, because there's that controversy of do you do the quick shortcut three weeks or you do the long six weeks, which one is best? That could be part of it as well. Um, again, pick your own opinion. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer when it comes to that. Uh, trash. Every year we're talking about trash. Everybody talks about trash. Everest is the, essentially the highest trash dump on the planet. Um, every year, everybody talks about ways to make it better so that there's less trash. There are teams that their whole job is to collect trash every year. And this year, a video went viral. Uh, Tenzi Sherpa posted a video at Camp 4 of all of the trash that was there. And 
Camp 4 is looking unusually trashy this year. I've seen the video. What it looks like is my front yard, if I've left my trash out, and a bear has gotten through it. It's just strewn everywhere. It looked exactly like my yard looks after a bear has gotten into my trash. And I have learned I lock up my trash during bear season. I mean, the photo showed pieces of tent, bags, pla I mean, it was just disgusting. You can find it online. Um, but it went viral. So much trash. And there was a picture, and I cannot remember who it was. I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, I think I screenshotted it, and I can't find it right now. But there was a Sherpa that uh, summited Mount Everest this year. And what he did is he wrote on a piece of trash. It was a piece of a tent that had just been left behind. And he wrote a message. I will share it on my Facebook. And um, as soon as I find it, I will tell you guys what his message said. It was pretty powerful. And I just cannot find it in my screenshots. So hopefully... Next week, I'll be able to find it. And last but not least, the other problem that I wanted to mention, and I have mentioned it before. Um, I discussed it in the episode when I was talking about problems and controversy on Mount Everest. I did this last year. I might want to do another episode discussing it again. Theft. It's not always a huge problem, but this year it was at least Four companies reported theft, specifically around the South Coal. And we're talking gear, also known as kit, um, cooking equipment, tents, oxygen. And the question is, you know, when you're up that high, you need those things in order to continue climbing. Oxygen, a lot of the times, that is life. With supplemental oxygen, that is one of the ways that people stay safer and they're able to summit Mount Everest. So the question is, those thefts, could that be, and I'm not saying it is, but again, it's an opinion. Could those thefts be one of the reasons why someone died this year? You know, that gear is life, that oxygen is life. And um, I can't remember who it was, but I remember a theft one year. I'll have to go back and look, check the episode, but they had to turn around because their oxygen and their gear had been completely stolen. So they couldn't even attempt the summit. They had to turn around and they lost their summit bid that year. Um, theft is never right. I don't know why people would do it. Maybe someone who was ill-prepared, maybe someone who had works for a company that um, doesn't invest in their employees. I don't know. It could be someone who forgot their gear, lost their gear, was irresponsible, wasn't well-prepared. Well um, there's never a good reason to steal from somebody else. And if it could lead to someone's death, absolutely stupid. Why would you do that? 
I mean, I would feel guilty, right? If I stole gear from a company or from people on Mount Everest, just so I could accomplish it and someone from that company died. I, I don't know why anyone would do it. It's absolutely horrible. All right, I'm going to end this podcast episode because I've already hit the 30-minute mark and I can barely speak. But that is the 2023 spring climbing season in a nutshell. Um, next week, either it's going to be a review of the docuseries Finding Michael or it's going to be the interview with our surprise guest. Again, she's from Perth, Australia and has two records under her belt after summiting um, this year during the 2023 spring season. Highly likely it's going to be her interview, but you never know. Like, if I lose my voice completely, I cannot do an interview. Um, I will get into more records next episode for sure, and then all 17 of the names as soon as it's official that they are all deceased, including those who are missing, presumed dead. If you love what I do, rate, subscribe, and follow. Um, I greatly appreciate it. If you want to get in contact with me, if you want to do an interview, I'm always looking for people to interview. Um, I want to hear your Everest story. If you wrote a book, if you lead expeditions, if you tried Mount Everest and you didn't make it, or if you did try Mount Everest and you did make it, I want to hear all of the stories. You can find me at Mama Bear Outdoors or All About Everest across social media. I love to hear from my listeners. You guys are absolutely amazing. And I decided, like every great podcast, that I need a tagline at the end. And so what I've decided is, regardless if you're going to summit Mount Everest, if you have summited, or if you just love listening to the stories, climb your own climb. And that's how I'm going to end every single episode from now on. So climb your own climb. Until next time.